Hello, kangaroo chasers. Welcome to Welcome Chasers. That was a very bad intro. I'm here with Michael Carboni. How are you, mate? <laughs> mate, uh, much better than you, it sounds, Mike. It sounds like you've had a big night last night. And uh, sorry. Well, 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 well. Some of the journalistic community had a night off, as you'll be well aware. <laughs> and we, uh, we, we had like, a few drinks, but we're up and we're working today. And we're talking about the League World Cup because that's all we ever talk about. Actually, I should say, I was also up in. In Glasgow for a Celtic game. Oh, cool! On Tuesday night. Yeah, um, I know this is a rugby league podcast, but uh, I think going Celtic game into going for a Chinese with many rugby league journalists probably not for my constitution at the moment. It has to be. It can only be Chinese food when it's rugby league journalists involved having dinner. Like it's the only cuisine um, well, that, yeah. that you're allowed to have. Yeah. Unfortunately, there wasn't a Leeds club involved. That's the thing that we missed out <laughs> on, isn't it? But I will crossover chasing kangaroos, meeting in the back of Leeds clubs. I love it. I will say, uh, on this side of the world, we had a one hundred and sixty million dollar lotto draw uh, tonight, which I did not win. So um, the Brazilian rugby league is going to have to wait a little while longer for my multi million dollar investment. So, well, just yeah, unfortunately, sorry, Brazilian rugby league. One day. Yeah, um... Are you saying that you wouldn't have bought Rochdale Hornets? Because that's what I would do. Is it? I mean, I probably could buy the Hornets. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean about Rochdale Hornets? Um, nope. Right, should we talk yeah. about the League World Cup, though? Mate, we yeah. should because uh, round one, we've had some awesome feedback on last week's podcast. Everyone loved the micro, the macro, the chat. Uh, one of the best world cup podcast going around if i do say so myself and and the fans certainly have agreed so thanks for all the great feedback guys yeah and um i think we've got a bit more micro a bit more macro to go on you've got your micro of uh, what journalists do when there's no rugby league cup world cup games kel surprise i would say um but yeah let's talk about first let's start with australia commentary i was in commentary i've never been to commentary before first Um, time wow yeah, commentary. Sort out your ring road. That's some micro. Nearly <laughs> <laughs> was in two, two car crashes in one day. Oh, wow. On the same day of the ring road. So um, that's quite dangerous. Uh, Kangaroo's very good, though. Kangaroo's very really good. good. Yeah. Close, one. close one as well. Australia 84, the clock 80. It was a close game. Trying the dying seconds. It, it, was, uh, it was just a, mate, in all seriousness, it was just, you know, a mismatch. Um, which was always going to be obvious. Um, I had the kangaroos by a hundred plus in this one, so they'll just shy of that eighty-four to nil. Um, let's not talk too much about Scotland, but I will say that last try from the fox, uh, Burton between the legs, fox with his fourth try, probably the best of the tournament so far. Uh, do you agree with me on that one, or have you seen better? Well, clearly, they sit around watching videos of Greece, like learning how to score miracles. <laughs> Uh, actually, the best one of the tournament would have been, was it, I can't remember who actually scored it. I think it was Lola here scored it, but Tolo Kula did one even better than Burton. And mm-hmm. they got wiped off. And I was like, print the legend video ref. Just, just let them have it. Yeah, that was close. I think that was disallowed. But yeah, this one was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fo- Fox got my points yeah. for the people's uh, golden boot points in this one. And I've got to say I as well. Cli- my points in both games. I think Fox will be will be leading. Josh Alakar will be top of it because he's got, Man of the match twice. It is interesting. Um, Cleary played well as well. I know it was it wasn't like they were playing a, a solid side in Scotland, but Cleary I think did enough for me to cement himself as Australia's clear halfback over DCE. Um, but I mean, not much more to say about this. It was an absolute show by the Aussies. Yeah, I, I don't know what to add other than I spoke to Josh Okar. No, I spoke to Matt Burton afterwards. Yeah. And he said that when Adokar scored that try, he ran around shouting, I'm a freaky man. I'm a freaky which, man, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> which is, and uh, I would believe that, having spoken to Josh Adokar on several occasions, he's a he's freaky man. Where, does it, man. where does it put the Aussies? Because obviously top of their group, um, you know, England doing well, New Zealand doing well. Where, where are the Aussies placed in your mind, I mean, it's hard to judge against the opposition, but are, are they the form side of this cup right now? I know. I think England still. I think I think I'd still go for England um, and New Zealand. It's hard to say in it because Australia just picked different teams, so yeah. I still don't really know, and I don't think Marmoninga knows what his best team is. 
Whereas with England, they're pretty cut and dried what their best team's going to be. Same with New Zealand. Um, I really fear for Ireland on the weekend now. Um, so, yeah, I wonder because I think what will beat Australia in the end is themselves. And I don't think we're any closer to them working out what their best team is. And that means that the chances of them picking not their best team when it actually needs to be on the field might still happen. So that's I like, my theory. I like, I like that thinking. Mel Meninga with some choices to make, that's for sure. Um, game two was a, another shellacking. Uh, and not a lot to say about this one myself as well, but Fiji 60 to four. Um, over Italy, Com- complete like reversal from Fiji, who who had a hiding hand to them the week prior. I think they looked a lot better this time around. Obviously, different level of opposition. Um, it was another case of you know professionals versus mostly part timers, which is fine. You know, it's 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 been a pretty entertaining World Cup for that sort of thing. Um, Kikau got the points for me in terms of golden boots, uh, and what I will say about the Italians is. Don't their jerseys look really good? We're going to have to try and get those on ChasingRoos.com because um, they're pretty cool. I might need to snap one up myself. Yeah, I, have to, I didn't see this because I was on the train from Coventry to um, Bolton, the England game. So, yeah, I actually didn't see this game at all. I'm, I've seen the highlights, obviously, after the fact, but I yeah. can offer no opinion on it other than to say that the train system in England is rubbish and... Um, and Celtic were also in the process of winning 4-3 in a quite topsy-turvy game at the same time. And my attention was very much elsewhere. And, well, you, you had a good opportunity for a segue there because you're on your way to the England match, which was, that's, of course, the next one on our list, yes. England and France. Go so for it, man. Yeah, go for it. Uh, that was a, I don't want to sound smug, but that's exact, the game that happened was exactly what I thought would happen, except it happened twice. So What do you I mean? Thought, <laughs> I thought England would... Get ahead early, and France would come back late. As this, this, this actually happened a few times in the France games, where like England would go twenty-four points up, and it would end up twenty-four, you know, sixteen something like that. And England would never have never would have been in trouble, but everybody would have got what they wanted out of the game. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. In both halves. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It was um, it was an interesting game. Like you say, I think you you said it well. England never looked in doubt. But, you know, when it was like 18, 12 at half time, you're sort of thinking, okay, we might have a game here. And, and it wasn't too bad. It wasn't as bad as it looked on the scoreboard at the end. Um, and look, England did make some changes to their squad as well. So they rested the couple compared to the side that shellacked Samoa a week ago. But I still think they looked very good and, and they're probably better for it. You know, we, we spoke in the past about England's depth probably not being as great as the Aussies or the Kiwis. But they got to test their depth a little bit here. And I think, you know, it's going to do them well um, as they move forward towards finals. Yeah, I think their depth is, is interesting because their depth in key positions, like the, the drop between Wellesby and Williams is a halfback combination and then yeah. throwing Mark Sneed is pretty, pretty bad. Like that's, Mark Sneed would be good if he was playing for Ireland, but he's not going to play for England. Whereas, and then Andy Ackers as well, he actually went all right, but yeah. he's... The drop-off, I don't think either him or McLaurin are that great, but again, McLaurin would be the best player on Ireland's team. Um, him and Keir, obviously, but is he, is he up to the standards of a, when you get to a Brandon Smith or a Harry Grant or a Ben Hunt or someone like no. that? Probably not. No, not but, at all. Um, so I think those areas are still, is still a problem for England. They've not really been tested in it, but the key areas, I think, for the way that they want to play, their outside backs and their forwards look great. Like, um, Burgess, Young, uh, Callum Watkins can cuss now, but Callum Watkins, uh, Ryan all comes and does the job, you know, 37 tries at national level, can't really argue with that. Um, all of those guys, all the outside backs and all the forwards where they're just going to play this power game, I think they're all looking good. And if you can keep Williams, who's been... Are you, are you aware of the George Williams culture war that's going on? No, what? Tell me tell me about that. So, George Williams... Uh, I've spoken to Warrington now. Warrington has been rubbish all year. And there's basically people who think, why are we picking a halfback from Warrington who's been rubbish? And then some people think, well, Warrington has been rubbish, but George Williams has been by far their best player. Um, so we should still pick him. And yeah. in the two games he's played, he's been pretty much one of the match. So if, if, if he'd be 
if you did it on a Dally M system, you'd have got points in both games for man of the match. So, and that's playing at six and in the seven in the first game and six in the second game. Yeah, so, I agree. Look, Williams, if if Fox if Fox is looking good for Australia as like golden boot points so far, then Williams is certainly close as well. Um, he's like the Ben Hunt then of uh, the Super League. It sounds like he was by far and away the best player in a terrible side, and I can say that because I'm a St George fan. Um, you mentioned Dom Young. I want to talk about him a little bit more. There's been a lot of chat about him. He's 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 just such an igna- igna- uh, such an incredible player. I can't even say the word I wanted to say. Um, he looks good. He's young. Uh, everyone loves him. Is he the post uh, the poster boy that England needs right now? Yeah, I think he's. I think it helps that he's very distinctive looking in the yeah. sense that he's got dreadlocks and he's only played with dreadlocks. Um, but yeah, he. When you sell rugby league to the wider public, it's quite difficult to sell George Williams, for example, because George Williams does lots of sort of nuanced things that are difficult to understand for the average punter, you know, the non-rugby league fan. Whereas big, strong man runs fast. It's quite easy to understand. And he looks spectacular. You know, him running in the 90-meter interception looks spectacular. Him finishing at the corner with a big dive looks spectacular. And that's what England need. Like, I think they need... They need someone like previously we had Sam Burgess who was like who you could understand because he was a big boy whacking people. Yeah, like it was easy to cross over to the rest of the country, and it, I mean obviously it's hard for me as someone who you know was watching for a good entire life to understand what somebody in Tunbridge Wells or Aberdeen thinks of a game they've never seen before, or yeah. like him, you know who only periodically watch the league. But I think he's the sort of character as well. Like he's very he's sort of very amiable guy. He's young. He's quite distinctive looking, like in terms of <laughs> being really tall and having dreadlocks. Yeah, he, it, same Martin. If I had it back in the day, because he looked like nobody else on the team and played in a way that was like nobody else. So I think that's that's the comparison people are making. I can see where they get it. Hundred percent, and I think he. It's certainly it, this could be a career defining um, tournament for him. We spoke a, a fair a few weeks ago about how you know, NRL clubs would be falling over themselves to sign Jack Wellsby after this World Cup. And he, he played well last week. But, he it, yeah, he should be. Um, but, you know, we overlook, you know, because Dom Young's already over here, but I think the Knights might be in trouble if they want to keep him because there's going to be a few other NRL clubs that are that are going to be looking at Dom Young as a serious option. Yeah, and I think the thing that's always held him back is his errors. And he's only made, he made one against Samoa. I don't think he's made any other errors. And if you take that out of his game, like he's defends, he tackles well. He, I think his tackling defensive work has been often sort of unfairly maligned because he stands outside Dane Gagai, who had a terrible season, um, defensively speaking. So that that part of his game is what you would look at and say is, that, is potentially the problem is that he can drop the ball and he potentially is not as good defensively. But with the ball, his kick returning, his finishing, his speed, his power, all that sort of stuff is brilliant. So, Love, yeah. Love I think one. you are. Uh, I mean, it'll come in a harder game when you've got Nathan Cleary sending bombs up towards him. I think get, that'll get tested, but so far, so good, I'd say. Yeah, I'm sure it will come. Um, next week's going to be an interesting one. Uh, they've got Greece. Uh, we'll talk about that at the end, though, but I do have a question for you tactically. So, we'll talk about that later on. Um, the next game was New Zealand, Jamaica. Another big score, 68 to 6. But, you know, anyone that talks about, you know, blowouts in World Cups and should we have as many nations as are here, like, I know this is 68 to 6, but, man, like, first try in history for Jamaica at a World Cup, Ben Jones Bishop, uh, what a moment. And, I mean, if you're a Jamaican fan or if you're growing up on the islands of Jamaica, you don't worry about the 68, you're worried about the 6. Like, this is huge. Uh, Were you there by any chance or what's the vibe on the streets? I was in Bolton, um, but I can tell you, so someone like Ben, so ben Jones Bishop is a good example because he's a guy who's played rugby league in England for a long time. When he began playing, the opportunity to play to make it didn't exist. Yeah. Him, Ashton Golding, like, I think even Jones Bishop would be older than Ashton Golding. Yeah, definitely. Goes like, guys like that, they have, this is actually the culmination of their whole bloody career. Like, to play for Jamaica, play for the Heritage in a way that is, you know, it's so important to them. And it's something that they would not have thought possible. Like, I know a guy who I grew up with in grade here. He played a bit of Super League. 
He's not. Unfortunately for him, he was not Jamaican. He's Grenadian, I'm going to say. But you know, if it was the West Indies team, he'd be able to play for him. And he said that exactly that to me. That he was so jealous of his mates who were of Jamaican heritage. Mm. They got it, and he never did. I mean, I guess you could put a Grenada team out, but it wouldn't be that many of them. Um, so the one you are right. The one try is the most important part of this game. Like, of course, they're not going to beat New Zealand. Like guys who play for for the you know, Kieran Rudd, she was playing half by Woodsburg Barcelona this year in the in the third grade. Like he guys like that are never gonna be able to beat New Zealand. New Zealand could put out probably a select team of the, you know, Barcard Cup or whatever it's called, the Fox Memorial Cup and still beat Jamaica. Like, but that's not the point. It really isn't the point. No, it's really not. Uh we do need the movie. We do need cool runnings too. I'm not even joking about that anymore. Like it 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 it's such a great story, and I've said right, it last so week. The Cool Runnings Rugby League Connection. The Cool Runnings Rugby League Connection, tell me. There is a Rugby League Connection in Cool Runnings. In Cool Runnings, you remember the classic movie, um, the guy who commentates on the Winter Olympic scenes is a was a noted commentator in, in America. He commentated on um, Ireland's historic victory over the United States in 1995. Oh, well, there you and go. I think it's my house, the house that I'm currently recording from in Rochdale. I'm pretty sure that because my dad was a coach of Ireland or one of the coaches of Ireland back then and in the early days of Rugby League Ireland, I know my dad listens to this podcast, so he's going he's to go a load of nonsense. But I think I think he has been to this house. I, I wouldn't be cool. surprised. Yeah, you are what to Rugby League what Kevin Bacon is to Hollywood in terms of degrees of no, separation. I'm, I'm one separation point away from my dad. My dad well, your dad like, is probably closer, yeah. He's probably five degrees of separation if Kevin Bacon is six. But... I, here you go. I, I think that dude has been to my house. He, <laughs> uh, I don't. I would have been very young, obviously, at the time. But um, I seem to remember watching Cool Runnings and having that told to me. So, and nobody can prove me wrong. No one will, except your dad might. But we'll let you know next week, folks. But d- my message again. Sorry, go. My message again to Jamaica this week. We can't give up on Jamaica. Like we need to grow from this point. Um, they're getting. They're losing by sixty in this World Cup, but in a few World Cups time, you never know. Uh, we've seen some domestic guys, Duhaney Sharks players taking the field. It's fantastic to see. New Zealand, not much to say. They, they're another one of these sides. Like England, like Australia, they've played around with their, their first squad, uh, you know, moving Joey Manu to six, for example. Um, they they did it easily. They probably scored less than, you know, everyone expected this one to be like 100 plus as well. Uh, so 68 to six, not too bad. But New Zealand, they're just they're just warming up. They're, they're getting ready for the big games. Uh, come yeah. finals time. Uh, and speaking of big games, um, the next one uh, was one that I was probably looking forward to more than any others uh, before the round started. Uh, you're not too happy about it. Uh, I predicted this one, uh, Lebanon 32 to 14 over your Irish lads. Yeah. I, so I was actually, for the first time in this tournament, I went and watched this one um, with the punters. And when I say the punters, I mean my mother. Your family, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. There was so much support for, for Ireland in, in the stadium in Lee. Also lots of Lebanese fans as well on, the other, on, um, on one of the sides. So, yeah, it was interesting because I watched this from behind the posts, which is my optimum position to watch a league game. Unfortunately, only the senior roosters at the SCG actually offer you that mm-hmm. in the NRL press areas. If you get a chance to watch, if you watch a game tactically, watch it from behind the posts. And tell you what, I couldn't have picked a better game because Lebanon were throwing everything. The, it's interesting because obviously Michael Chaker is a rugby union coach. Yeah. So having a rugby union coach means that they're just doing three or four different things to everybody else because he's clearly looked at it and gone, in the same way that I would look at rugby union and go, you know, why don't they always bomb the winger? They never seem to do that, which seems to be the most, you've got massive in-goals, always bomb the winger in the way that yeah. you've got a Raliti or a Tupu or someone like that. Um and so things like ball steals, I think they had five ball steals, five or six, which clearly is something that every other team is not trying to do because you get about one or two a game maximum and suddenly Lebanon have got five and Ireland simply couldn't cope with it. Like you looked at the, I looked at the stats afterwards and they had you know, their errors and there weren't that many errors, but you throw in five ball steals, essentially five extra errors. Um, you ended up with, the try that I think it was Jacob Kiraz scored where yeah. it was Caleb Rajab 
you listen to this podcast, therefore you know Gareth Redwood is good. <laughs> Behind the play the ball, Mitchell Moses, inside ball to Kiraz. One of the best constructed tries, clearly off the training ground. And when you see them celebrate it, they've clearly gone, oh my Lord, this has worked. Like yeah. All these yeah, it's like when it, when it pays off on the field, it's incredible. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. Lebanon have been my favourite side to watch at this tournament simply because they're not playing the regular style of football. I don't know if it's if it's the the players, I don't know if it's Chica, the rugby union influence, but it's really interesting. It's very different. Um, I think I'd love to see, I mean, Michael Chico is currently coaching the Argentinian union side at exactly the same time. That's been spoken about quite a bit uh, in the press on both sides of the world. So he's coaching two international sides in different codes at the same time. It's pretty freaking incredible. I don't think that's ever happened before. I'd love to see him coaching more rugby league. I questioned it at first. I know he's had a bit to do with the, the Sydney Roosters over here, but man, when when he was named for Lebanon originally, I thought, okay, is this actually going to work? It has, and man, I, I'd love to see. I know I'm not sacking any new Warriors coaches or anything like that, but I'd love to see Chica coaching the New Zealand Warriors. It's a little dream of mine now because I think him at the helm of a side like that would just be beautiful football to watch it would be incredible um but but lebanon mate one of my favorites um this tournament probably my favorite side to watch and i i've got one one more point that i want to make um mitchell moses incredible like probably you'd have to say probably one of the i mean we talked about george williams earlier we've spoken about cleary but moses has been incredible in the halves and if fox and george williams are getting all the points for golden boots then Moses certainly, I, I mean, he got my points in both of Lebanon's matches as well. And and the only reason he won't end up winning a golden boot by the end of this tournament is because Lebanon, you know, won't go as deep as some of the other nations. But he has been he has been in fine form and probably unlucky to not be playing for the Kangaroos the way he's playing. And I don't think he cares, though, to be honest with you. He'd be very proud to be to be putting on the Cedars jersey and representing his heritage, but he's been impressive and he has led, he has led this side around so well. And, and mate, what, a, I can't stop me because I can't stop talking about yeah, how impressed just, I am. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, at some point I should interrupt. It sounds like Mary Constance office is talking. With you about <laughs> what's going on. Um, love you, Mary Kay. Love Mitchell Moses. I know she does. Um, yeah. Look, I think Lebanon have got the advantage where their best players play the right positions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We'll talk about Tonga in a minute where their best players don't play the right positions for rugby league. You know, and we, we've spoken about this extensively, but the way that you play in international footy is dictated by where your good players are because most of the teams who aren't the Kangaroos or, or England or New Zealand are going to have to pick a, pick a team that's going to have some weaker areas than others. And Lebanon are just lucky because they've got... You look at Kiraz at one, like he's been playing on the wing for Bullers, he looked great, played fullback. Um I think he's actually going to miss the next week. Pretty sure he got concussed. Yeah. Um, so he'll be out this week, but we'll go, come back should they make the uh, quarterfinal against Australia. Obviously, Dwayne, he didn't play this week. He's He'll come back. He was suspended for one game. Um, but where they, I think they've got to pick Rajab now going forward. He was so good. I mean, I, I have to say, as someone who has watched him play second grade, very, very smugly, watching him play on uh, Sunday going, Told you this kid was good. My mum was like, I was like, I hate this guy. <laughs> so you st- yeah. would you would you start him even with Dwayne back? No, I think he's going to play Dwayne. Dwayne's obviously a great player. Um but I think you, you might bring one as a fourteen or you might look at if Dwayne can play in the centers to see if you can Maybe you can put maybe you can put him in the back for a game, see how well, he goes as fullback. He has, has played a fullback. And yeah. Kiraz, if Kiraz is injured yeah. this week or out with concussion, then I'd throw him to fullback. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Let's try that out. I mean, they've got a it's a big, it is a big game for them. They're playing Jamaica. It's one they should win, but um, the reason it's so important is it's it's going to give them a, a spot against the Kangaroos in the finals, which is we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But um, the next game, another big scoreline, Samoa, uh, they're back seventy-two versus Greece four, um, and it sets up. A, speaking of big games next week, it sets up a huge game with Samoa and France next week. But um, I feel like Samoa, they're starting to warm up after a, um, a shocking performance in round one. They're, they're sort of putting it back together here. Yeah, look, 
obviously you've got to factor in that Greece are not the strongest team in the world. But yeah. I actually really enjoyed this game. Like, we got back to my brother's house and watched this on the telly. I like, I thought it had all of the things that I wanted. It had Samoa doing what they do in terms of actually putting a game together and executing the game plan relatively well out of the backfield. Brian Toto was brilliant. Um, Luai got some space to work in, which obviously if you're playing against Greece, you're going to get a bit more space. But um, but the, the Greeks had a right crack. You know, they're the, they are not going to die wondering anytime they're on the field. You look, I know we, we joke Billy McGooley is halfback. How much <laughs> plenty, plenty of salmon he'll do. But you look at like the tackle from Johnny Mitzias when, um, is it Lafay was running through? Just stuck him into the, stuck him into the middle of next week with a tackle. Like, they was they never give up. They they clearly played with all the passion that you want from a team like Greece. Like they know they know their limitations. Like they're not gonna be a team who've got five players who just won the NRL Grand Final. But like they they exist to do the best in their own circumstances, and they certainly did that. Um, obviously, Samoa. I think it's a bit. It could be a bit fool's gold with them because sure you beat you know they won a game by quite a lot, but it was against Greece who aren't that good. So. I think France will will look at that and go. We can. I think both both the results at the weekend have made next week a better game because France played pretty well in defeat to England. Yeah, much better than Samoa played, for example. And then Samoa have got their sort of confidence boosting win, and I think France will know exactly what it is that they have to do to to cause Lambouche. As I'm it's calling. it's the game I'm looking forward to most next round, as it would be for many. Um, special shout outs to. Tim Lafay, who got the late call up, and I think he played really well. Haven't seen him around for a little while, so that was interesting. Um, a big shout out as well to the Rhodes Knights products, Stefanos Bastos and Nick Bosmos, who both got a shot on the field. Greece are just getting started, man. Like the same with Jamaica. We can't give up on Greece. 72 to 4, but they played with passion. They've got domestic rugby league happening. It's legal to play in Greece now. Um, I hope they just go from strength to strength. And um, I do recommend that anyone that does like listening to podcasts like ours, have a try of uh, the BBC World Cup podcast featuring Greece, came out a couple of days ago or yesterday. Uh, oh, fe- yeah, features um good friend of the show, Stu McLennan, and a few others as well. So uh, y- you'll know the story if you listen to, to Chasing Kangaroos regularly. You'll know the story of Greece. But it's just good to see that story getting out there um, to, to more of the public as well, not just on our niche podcast. So really cool. And, um, yeah, look, not much more to say about that one. So uh, I think let's move on to the ne- the last two games of the round in in what has been the closest group of the tournament easily. And, and you, you consider this, right? So the best side in the group played, you know, the weakest side in the group, Tonga versus Wales, was 32 to 6, which I think was, you know, quite close considering it was the best versus arguably the worst and um 16-6 at half time to Tonga but but Wales were winning for most of that first half Wales but, were so good yeah, so good so impressive and I don't know if you, I don't know if the context of this would have you'd have had to watch a lot of British rugby league to get this but John Kerr who's their coach is yeah. the master at ambush like yeah He's noted for being, you know, he was Sheffield in 1998 when they beat Wigan in the Challenge Cup final. Yeah. Or that's the 2005 Challenge Cup. Um, I think the last time Super League side lost to a second division side was his Bradford beating Leeds. Yep. Um, he's got such a long record in the Challenge Cup of doing this and being able to set up a team who, with a weaker talent, talent base to beat, you know, to knock off the Giants. And it, I'll tell you what, for 38 minutes of that first half, it looked like he got it down to a tee. And I'm, I was so disappointed that they didn't they didn't get to that. If they'd have got another two minutes and then had the, you know, had half time to recuperate, I think they could have gone again. Whereas, you know, they just made life really difficult. They're a horrible team to play against. And then when they got a chance, little, um, little, I think it was actually Kyle Evans dislodged the ball in a tackle. Joshua Alpha picked it up and Evans was the one who finished it. So you you've got to take your chances. They took the chances. They accumulated pressure. They tackled really well. All the stuff, you know, if you talk to a coach about this, all they'll say is that we have to do the things that we can do. And if the other team are better than us, they're better than us. Yeah, exactly. They did all of the things that they needed to do. And the problem is when you get a team of part-timers like Wales, I think two of the 17 are full-time, so 15 are part-time. They... They're gonna get tired. Like they're gonna get tired, and obviously they're gonna end up doing more defending, which is more tiring, and the build fatigue stuff like that. So 
that was always likely to happen. I'm, I'm just, I feel bad for them that they didn't get two minutes more because they did so well to get to 38 minutes. I think they can be proud of that. Like, it's not, you know, it's one of these things, you know, not all teams are going to win this World Cup, but, like, to put on a performance like that for Wales, I think is incredible. You mentioned Kyle Evans. Uh, I'm calling him the reverse Regan Grace because he's, you know, the ex-union player coming to league. Um, let's get more of those. I mean, Wales have, there is potential with Wales, like, in terms of, like, a, a, a nation that can become better at rugby league quite quickly. Like Wales has always been low hanging fruit since the 95 world cup uh, with the Harrises and the Cunninghams and, and Regan Grace and guys like that. But you, you sit like they've got, you know, two semi-pro sides in, in the English leagues. I think this is like, we spoke about Ireland, you know, potentially needing a super league team very soon, if possible, like Wales needs to be in the super league at some, like to some degree, um, and they need to get a few more Kyle Evans in there as well. I think, look, Wales, I was impressed. I was certainly wasn't expecting this performance and the one they, they made in round one as well. I wasn't expecting either of those. Um, they've been they've been good. They've been impressive. Out of all the, like, amateur or, or semi-pro sides up against, you know, fully professional sides, this has been the most impressive performance of the Cup for one of those. So that's fantastic. Um, look, Tonga, again, playing around with some combinations like the other top sides did this week. So we saw Tessie New come in um, and we saw Amon come in as well. But I don't mind Tonga playing with their combinations at this stage. I think, you know, they're, they're kind of – I don't know what to – what I want to ask you actually what your read is of them because people have probably been expecting more explosiveness from Tonga at this point. But I kind of feel like they're treating these opening games as trials and they're just really warming up slowly. You know, Tomalolo still needs to come back. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping that they're really raring to go when they're facing either Samoa or France in that first prelim. Yeah, I mean, firstly, can we stop calling it a prelim? It's quarterfinal. Quarterfinal, <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm, such an, I'm such an Aussie, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But they, um, look, I think Christian Wolf's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. I don't think there's, there'll be any worries there. I just, you know, as we said with, with Lebanon, all their best players play the right position. I think Tonga's problem is that their worst players play in the positions you'd like, you'd like your best players to be in. So you look at how their forward pack have gone. Like, I wrote a team of the tournament so far column, and I think I had Colin Matangi and Take Ato in there from the forwards for Tonga, but then you look at yeah, I'm not sure if they actually did rest Katawa or Mone last week, I don't know what they were doing there because I don't know who their best seven is, I don't know who their best six is and I'm not sure who their best one is so all I'm those not, key positions, they don't you know, really you know what? Looking at who it is, I am sure. Like, okay, look, I think Kula is their best one. He was incredible last week. Tessie knew. Sorry, mate, but but Kula's your man. Um, I think, I think, um, I think, I think Lola he is their best seven, and I think Katoa is their best six. So Amon's good backup. Um, you could even try him at hooker if you wanted to. Uh, you're right about Kolomotongi. I, I mean, he's been close to their best this tournament, but I don't know, man. I think Tonga. They're okay in that spine, and they've got a little bit of depth too. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't think they're as weak as you think they are. I don't think they're weak. I think that, yeah, I think that when they come up against England or someone like that, yeah, it will, it will be England. I think Samoa they might be able to beat because they'll Samoa have the same problems they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would, I would back Tonga to be better organised than Samoa, given the two different coaches. But I think when they come up against England. I think the class of Williams and, and Wellesby is probably going to win them the game. That's my, you know, so you, as, you, as you have said many times, Tonga have never had these key position players. And this exactly. Is supposed to be yeah. Really they they oh. still do it. And <laughs> you've just, you, you've just made an assumption there that Samoa will beat France this week, which I think you're going to be right. But, uh, let, let, you know, you never know. Lemberscard, Lemberscard carbs. I've looked it up. <laughs> do you know what means? No, I don't, but you're going to tell me. That ambush. <laughs> Mate, I uh, before and I thought I better look that up. Um, shout out to my French is getting better, by the way. I got sat next to a guy from France 2025 last night at dinner, and um, I think my French is better than I thought it would. Je m'appelle Michel, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, well, uh, luckily that also works for me. It does, it does, mate. Um, uh, final game of the round, 
Uh, and this one was a cracker as well. Um, P&G 32, Cook Island 16. Again, this group has been sensational. This was a really entertaining game. First half in particular, cookies were great. You know, um, Kale Iroa was fantastic for them. Um, P&G, man, the scenes coming out of Papua New Guinea. Have you seen Have you seen the like the pictures and the footage of them celebrating oh, back home? All the, that, 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 yeah. University. Oh, man, that was incredible. Roderick Tai. He was yeah, I saw that as well, man. This is all of this stuff is fantastic. Anyone who, anyone who questions like the need or necessity for a World Cup, they're not the people listening to this podcast. That's for sure. But they're just, I'm going to swear, they're fucking idiots, man. Like this has been, it is incredible to watch, and and the passion of PNG. They, they, there was a little, there was an article today. I forget where I read it, but they're talking about how they're, 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 they're closer to winning a World Cup and they're going to do it sooner rather than later for their people. It's incredible to watch, man. Um, Roderick Ty was great. Mackenzie Yee was good as well. You know, in the, last week we spoke about, you know, um, Kumuls that should be playing more regularly for NRL squads. Add those two boys to the list because they're just entertaining. Again, it's that slightly different style that we're not used to seeing week in, week out in the NRL anyway. Super League's probably similar. Uh, this this World Cup has just shown us some different flavors, which I, I, we knew was going to happen, but more so than even I expected. It's been fantastic to see. Um, but the biggest disappointment from this one was uh, the streak, the great kicking streak uh, from oh, Rick Smart and ended. Yeah. So I was, I have to say, I'm letting you talk on this one as I was uh, watching Celtic draw with Shakhtar Donetsk in Glasgow. So I didn't see it. So, um, but. Yeah, I actually was trying to in the in the crowd when you know when you're in like a massive crowd of people, your Wi-Fi doesn't work anymore. You can't get in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I was trying to work out was I was trying to update the score and also like did Reese Martin kick a goal. That's all I cared about. And what, he's been, he's he must be one of the most underrated players out there because he's been so consistent, not just in his goal kicking, but like for years, years and years and years, he's been brilliant for Leeds, done exactly what he's meant to do. And I sort of he must. I always think he must like living in Leeds because he, he surely NRL clubs must have given him a, given him an option to go back playing the NRL and he's gone that nah, looks like it here like Leeds. Yeah, for, look, I think you might be right. Um, he's certainly you know he would make any squad a little bit better. You know that's for sure. Um, the fu- the not oh, the funny. Oh 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 oh. Yeah, yeah go go. What happened in the tongue game? So there was a an interesting thing happened in the tongue game. It doesn't happen very often. Oh, what was that? Sorry, I must have missed it. Speaking of goal kicking, there was some very interesting goal kicking in the Tonga game. Firstly, oh, I just remembered the second thing. New Zealand don't have a goal kicker. They don't have a single goal kicker in the whole squad. That's going to so, be trouble. That's going to be a problem. If Jordan Rappin is kicking your goals, it's not going to end well for you. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if actually did kick on Saturday night, but I know Rapp, I think Rappin might have kicked. Anyway, they don't have a recognised goal kicker. But Tonga had... Something which you haven't seen in years, they had a prop forward goal kicker. You got to love it, right? Takeo kicked some goals, yeah. um, and then Talakai, who I've never seen kick a football in his life, pinged one off the sideline in the tunnel. That's that's skill right there. Um, I've seen Takeo kick a few before, but yeah, I haven't. Yeah, he's, I haven't, he's yeah. definitely kicked in the past. Yeah, but the, yeah, problem, yeah. the problem with having a prop forward goal kicker is they don't play 80 minutes. So who, who kicks when they're not on the field if you score? I think that's why Talakai was kicking because Talakai was up. They should let them all have a kick. Maybe, maybe New Zealand should try that as well. Get a few of them to try. But the, the, yeah, interest, Talakai, the interesting, the interesting thing with uh, Reese Martin was he the kick he missed. The next try he kicked from a similar position and and got it. So he would be kicking himself. Uh, pardon the pun, but and is anyone ever going to break that forty-one? I think was it. Is it you're the stats man, Mike? But. Hazamel Masri, did he get forty-one as well? Who I think there's a oh, couple that have that have been, that have been there. I, I can give you if you'd like a rugby league trivia question. Go there for are it. two players who have beat Hazamel Masri who are in the national rugby league. I, one of them definitely is stalwart. The other one has he certainly played in the national rugby league because I can remember. So El Masri beat out a record which was held by uh, Kiwis legend Henry Paul and. No, let me get the order of this. Around the time of Ilmazri's record, either Henry Paul beat him or he beat Henry Paul. However, it was then beaten by, I'm, I'm not even going to throw out this trivia question because you want to know who this bloke is, Barry Eaton, he's called, <laughs> yeah. who I think at the time he was playing for Batley, but he played for Wales, played for Wales, at least on some occasions, so he did play in National Rugby League. Um, 
However, the record itself was held by a long-time Ireland player, um, which was halfback Liam Finn, I think. Oh, yeah. Do you remember him, little bald guy? Yeah, of course, yeah. Ireland in three World Cups, so 2008, 2013, 2017, I think. Um, he was like a classic example of why Ireland might not have the best players, but you know he was just exactly what they needed. He's a great player. Um, I think he still holds the record. I think he's the 41 from about 2012. So I'd have to double check it. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I think that's the record. I did look, look this up. I was at the PNG Tonga game where he equaled it. So I had it in front of me of who, who was on the list. But um, if 41's tough. It is tough. It's, it's possible. It's interesting that it didn't happen when I thought more critically about this. Goal, I did, you know, I wrote an article in the, early in the year about the decline of goal kicking in the NRL. And I realised that the two major factors were in the unlimited six again 2021 bullshit stats era, there were much more tries scored closer mm, than That's interesting. Because Jason Saab was running it in from 80 metres. So there was fewer tries scored at the corner, which meant to, led to obviously easier goal kicks. Um, but then also in previous eras before this, that were lower scoring in general, there was more of an inclination to take the two. So at the start of the year, I, re- I can't remember what round it was, but I reckon at about round 12, Reese Walsh should kick six penalty goals, which obviously you only take penalty goals you know you'll get. So you don't take difficult shots at goal. Of course, yeah. But then Adam Reynolds for the Broncos, they hadn't even attempted a penalty goal. They went like a third of the season without even attempting a penalty goal. So there were a lot of it was down to the, the choice of what goals you take and what what shots you actually have available to you because if you're scoring in the corner, obviously you're going to score, you're going to kick fewer goals. Only so, your mind will think like that, mate. I think it's, it's it well, sounds it's right. It's, yeah. not, it's not just me because uh, Christian Nicolisi, the Sydney Morning Herald, also wrote a piece and he put it down to La Nina. <laughs> there were more difficult goal kicking conditions. I think he spoke to Daryl Halligan or Almazri or someone like that, and that's what they said. It but, does. Um, I, I, I talk more analytically about it. So I think it's where they can come from. I, I agree with you, man. I think you're more right than uh, than they were. But anyway, all good. Um, final point from that match. You would not have heard the commentary because you were there. But um, Andrew Voss and James Graham, can they, they need to be the official commentators of International Rugby League because they were an absolute delight to listen to. Uh, but well, mate, that was, yeah. I did listen to it, but I do have an Andrew Voss story. Tell me. So as I was going to Glasgow, the, so the way you get to Glasgow from Rochdale is via Wigan Northwestern train station. So I had a sort of half an hour wait in Wigan, which obviously I went to Galloway's Bakers and got a pie in the Manchester Tart, because that is what you do in Wigan. There's one of the world's elite pie makers is across the road from... Well, Wigan has two train stations across the road from each other. And on the same street where the two train stations are is Galloway's Pie. It's a very good pie shop. Anyway, so I, I got a pie and was eating it on the train station. I put a picture on Twitter, high-class, hashtag Rugby League feed, send me your Rugby League feeds. And uh, Vossi, who was also doing some sort of food tour of the north of England, was coming through Wigan en route to Warrington about 15 minutes after me. So he ended up going to exactly the same place, getting exactly the same pie, but 15 minutes later. So literally, as I was at Wigan, yeah, and I thought it would have been like a Dr. Livingston, I presume, of the two of Rugby League's two two most prominent uh, foodies. Well, he he, love, he loves you, mate. I've seen him tweet your stuff a fair bit. Um, he also loves us because um, he, of course, gave a big shout out to ChasingRoos.com during the Greek the Greek Samoa match as well, which was great. I'm sure the BBC would have been delighted that he was giving us a free plug, but it yeah, was uh, it was incredible. Went. See that one. <laughs> it was other providers of international merch are available, is what they always used to say on TV. Was uh, <laughs> we lost on Australians, but the British listeners, there you go. Absolutely love it. So, shout out to Vossi, mate. That was round two, and it was good. Um, I think we're kind of ready for finals, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, I'm still looking forward to round three. Let's run through them quickly. Um, we don't have to go too hard on some of these games because some of the, some of the um, results are going to be very obvious. So New Zealand versus Ireland, for example. Um, whoa there, whoa there. Well, yeah, obviously Ireland's going to win, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we don't have any front rowers <laughs> now. So I'll give you the obvious <laughs> news angle we have on this is that Ireland have now... So Jamin Jolliffe got banned. Liam Byrne got banned. Um, obviously, the, the mantra of the Irish team for many years has been if you lose the game, win the fight. 
and they've certainly brought that attitude to the, to the Lebanese game because now they've got no front rowers. Liam Byrne ran around for four tackles trying to get sent off before he actually got to Um So he's, he managed to pick up two bands from the same game. Uh, Jeremy Jolliffe is apparently fighting his band, so at the time of recording, we don't know if he's able to play, but um, who knows. Robbie Mulhern, one of the other forwards, got injured. So Islander have got a bit of a front row crisis at exactly the same time that New Zealand are able to bring back Jared Warrior Hargreaves. But the upshot for us is that Ronan Mike will probably get a game. From, Ronan, from Ronan, yeah, Ronan and Mike will I'll get up just for that because he's an absolute legend. Hopefully he gets a match. Maybe New Zealand can let Ireland borrow a few front rowers, you know. Maybe they can do a little bit of a mercy rule situation. What was he called? There was, what was, he called? The, the, there was a, Mau- a Maori Irish player in the last World Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah, get him back. It's, I think he was playing like Barkhad <laughs> and then he ended up playing Brown. So, yeah, there you go. One Irish parent, one Maori parent. But Ronan and Michael, that's a great shout. I'd love to see him get his crack. Um, that he, would be fantastic. He gave, us, he gave us the biggest clap when he was warming up before the game. Me and my mum, my dad, my bro was Ronan, Ronan, Ronan. Yeah, he's the best. He loves it. So, and he's such a good guy. I'm going to go with that game. Hopefully, if I can get a lift on, we've got that game. I'm going to try and switch around to Michael and get a little interview with him. Absolute legend, good friend of the podcast as well. So make sure you make sure you say hello from me. Um, England versus Greece is the next game. It's the first time these two nations have played, which is really special. I think it's great for also, Greece. I, so, but... I have never played New Zealand. That's oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's an interesting one. Um, if you're either. this is a question I was going to ask you earlier. So from a tactics perspective, if you're if you're coach Wayne with England. Do you are you resting players for this, or are you going back to those round one combinations because they've kind of rested a few already? So you know what's your what's your what's your mentality well, I, going into this one? I can tell you now. I can tell you now. He's resting Sam Tompkins because Sam Tompkins is not going to play. So I think it will be it'll either be Jack Wellsby goes to fullback to get him more minutes, or it'll be Tommy McIntyre goes to fullback and Ryan all stays on the wing. Which I would like because Ryan Hall is very close to. Well, he's a top England try scorer of all time. I'm not sure where he is behind Darren Lockley on the all time list. But um, yeah, have a cup standing on a wing against Greece could probably help his numbers, shall we say? Um, yeah, so England will definitely rest players. I know Whitehead's not going to play. Um, Watkins is, he's got concussion protocols. And Tompkins is not going to play. So I think you'll get a bit of a reshuffle. You'll get. Kaipis Paul is going to play. Maybe in the centres. Not really sure yet. Chomain was a bit coy about this yesterday when he was speaking to media about who who plays where. Joe Batchelor from Saints is going to play. But I think from, if it was me, I'd be playing Williams and Wellesby in the halves again just to get that combination going. Agreed, and agreed. To pull back. Yeah, agreed. I think that'll be good too. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, the next game is Fiji and Scotland. That's only going one way, so we won't spend too much time on that one. Uh, Australia and Italy, that's going one way as well. But the interesting thing here is um, the word on the street is that Cleary and DCE will be partnering in the halves, giving Munster a rest, and uh, th- it'll be two guys sort of shooting out for the same position in this one. And interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I'm you not know- sure that that will happen, by the way. I'm not sure that that will happen. What makes, um, what makes you say that? They might split time. Mm, that could happen as well. But it will surely is Munster going to play? Uh, well, I I was about to drop some sort of inside knowledge here, and I had to go and check. If you can hear me typing, that's what it is. I had to go and check that <laughs> it was public knowledge yet, but it is that Cherry Evans and um, Cherry Evans and Cleary will alternate. Oh, so there you I go. Okay, I must have. You never, you never know. Not, so, I must have just missed that one. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's brand new. Um, it's brand new information. I literally didn't know if it had been published yet. That's so why I had to check. Uh, didn't, want to, didn't want to blow an embargo. Um, but yeah, I, I think Munster will get a sit down. He actually said, you can never tell with Munster, right? He said to us on Friday night that he was only supposed to play like 50 minutes or something against Scotland. But then he didn't do anything. So Mal made him stay on and took Tedesco off. And I couldn't work out. Generally, I can never work out once that whether he was joking or not. Mm. Because you know, Tedesco went off after about... He scored in the second half and then immediately went off. Yeah, he had about 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, 43 or 45 minutes, something like that. And so Munster basically said that that was meant to be what he was supposed to do. Mm. Um, I don't know anything. Take whatever camera says. Could have been taking so, the piss. Uh, Teddy yeah, yeah. also um, had a dream about Teddy in the Australia Italy game. 
And uh, so what happens is this is a big rule change, right, in my dream. But Teddy, you know, comes out for Australia, scores a couple of tries, half-time goes into the sheds, comes back out wearing an Italian jersey and uh, scores a couple of tries for Italy as well. So, you know, let's change the rules and make that happen. Do you see one of the Greek players said that he dreamt that he'd score? No, I didn't see that. (laughs) The first try for Greece, the winger, he said that he'd had that he had scored in a dream and then he did score. So there you go. Elite visualization, I believe the sports psychologists would call it. Some dreams come true. Mine will not. But uh, yeah, Yeah. Australia versus Italy, I'll definitely be up for that one. And uh, yeah. Which national anthem will James Defco sing? Traitor to the Italian cause that he is. Mate, uh, he's obviously going to sing the Australian national anthem. I don't think he knows the Italian one. Uh, next game will be <laughs> Lebanon versus Jamaica. Um, we've already spoken about this. I think Lebanon will will take the win. Um, I think Jamaica will play with passion once again. But what's interesting here is Lebanon should um, cement a game against Australia in the finals. And I'm really looking forward to that. Like, I know Australia is going to be favourites, uh, but... I th- I'm looking forward to Lebanon playing disruptive footy against the Kangaroos. I think it's going to be really cool. Anything can happen, um, but that's that is something that I cannot wait for. Yeah, I think I've got a, bit, a little tactical column planned on this about not about that game specifically, but about international footy in general, the tactics of international rugby. Um, but one of the things is that I think is most interesting is that. You know, when you are the favourites, you have to play a certain way. And when you're the outsiders, you have to play a certain way. And Lebanon have basically been playing like the outsiders constantly. Like, they, I think they were probably favourites going into the Island game. They didn't check the odds because my uh, betting app wasn't working with them. But I think they would have probably been favourites for that game. But they still approached it with a mentality of, you know, chaos. Control of your chaos is kind of the idea. I think they'll... Don't give anybody a shake. Like we saw them against New Zealand. Like they gave the Kiwis a real go. Like and with a bit of momentum and a bit of panic setting in, like they'll love that. And I think Michael Jacob will have a plan. It might be a plan for Argentina, who's coaching two days before. <laughs> so he, yeah, he'll have he'll have Argentina against England in the Union, and then Australia. He'll have Lebanon against Australia, like in the league. Like talk I, about I underdogs. Way around it is. I'm pretty sure it's Friday, Sunday, Friday league. Sunday I think league. the league's first, yeah. But like, I mean, too. He could imagine he pulls off some upset. I mean, it could be crazy. It won't. That's another dream. But um, yeah, good, good on him, man. That's fantastic. Um, Tonga versus Cook. When you've only got, you know, you've only got a coach for half an hour's worth of game plan. Exactly. <laughs> he was. He said that too. The biggest. I heard him in an interview a couple of days ago. The biggest difference is like the minutes of play in league is vastly different compared to, to the minimal play they have uh, with Union. Um, anyway, let's not talk about that too much. We, we know, Everyone knows our opinions on that. Uh, Tonga versus Cookies, right? Um, Tonga, again, they've been rolling slowly through this World Cup. Cookies have been okay. You know, they played pretty well against PNG. They played, uh, they played well against Wales. Um, if they can manage to cause an upset here, are they a chance to make the finals? Um, I know. I think I think PNG will beat Wales. I think that's that's their only problem. Oh, actually, PNG will beat Wales. Yeah, sorry, forget I said that. Um, can oh, they cause can they cause an upset though? Yeah, certainly. I think I think they will play in a similar way to Tonga. Like they they have a couple of the same. I mean, they've got John O'Ford, who's a pretty smart operator. Um, but yeah, a couple of their a couple. You know, look at who their best players are. They will go toe-to-toe with Tonga. Underrated Battle of the Hackers as well. I think of all of the um, traditional dances, I think Cookies might be my favourite. So, no, the, by Tonga, I think the, the Fijian prayer, mate. The Fijian prayer can't oh, be yeah, it's not. It's not a dance, but, mate, it is. I, I cry every time. Yeah, well, no, I think that's a category all of its own. Um, yeah. Shout yeah, out to like the guy who was doing the Guardian live blog. He was surprised that Fiji did him. So do a bit of research. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Um, Come on, buddy. But, but yeah, I think I, I, I think the most important part of that game will be to see, A, do they do them at the same time? Somebody asked me this this week. What happens if they both have a war dance? Do they do it against each other or do they, does one wait for the other? And I think same time. They've same done, time. They, they did that over here. What was it for? I think it was, it was um, Maori. Was it? Was it Samoa yeah. Tonga? Yeah. And yeah. they went right face to face, 
it was incredible. I, I think I think it works better over here um, because they're open to doing that and the crowd, there's probably more Islanders in the crowd. But uh, look, I hope they do it, man. If they do it at the same time, I think that would be just another little story that this World Cup, you know, can can give us a little thing of beauty. Um, yeah, that that would definitely. I'm definitely getting up for that. Just for that, um, mate. Samoa France, the game of the round. Um, which way does this go? Are you prepared to? I think you've already predicted Samoa, but I mean France. France. We. No, we no, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd call it a prediction, but I yeah. think. France are more than a chance. I think they will they will go in with all the look, they've got a pretty good coaching team. Again, you look if you look at the coaches, I mean Matt Parrish saying no more. But Lauren Castanew and Trent Robinson is a pretty good Trent, you know, coaching combination. They'll have plans, they'll have I mean I think for them it comes down to Gigo. Like if Gigo has one of his good days, I think they can match Samoa out wide, they can match them in the middle, and then they need to be better in the halves and yeah. He's got it in him. I see believing when no one else does. It'll depend if Gigo plays like Gigo or if Gigo plays like Gigo. That'll be uh, that'll be the difference. Um, we said it. You said it last week, mate. We, we're all salivating at the the prospect of Tonga v Samoa, but we also wouldn't be disappointed if if France snuck in instead. So uh, this game intrigues me. Um, I am I am tipping Samoa. But like all good international rugby league fans, I'd love to see France make it through to the next stage. Yeah, I think it's a win-win for the international rugby league fan because if you if Samoa win, you get that clash with Tonga, which is what we want. But then if France win, then France win. Then France win. Now, the, in similar vein, so the last game of the round uh, of the normal of normal World Cup rounds is PNG versus Wales, which I'm sure will be another cracker. I think Wales will will stand up again. I think PNG will win. PNG have been low key really impressive. They they came very close to Tonga, which I think is probably one of the most impressive losing performances of the World Cup, if not the most. Um, they've they won they won their second. They'll win their third. They're going to come up against England in the final in the first game of the finals. Now, again, this is another one of those situations because as the like as. England being the home nation, it would be fantastic for International Rugby League for them to continue their winning ways. But Papua New Guinea, I think, could be the first sign of trouble that England face. I think it's going to be a tough one for them. It'll be a style of play they haven't come across before in this World Cup. And, um, you know, it could be an upset. And and as like all good International Rugby League fans, we want to see PNG go deep. So, that I'm really looking forward to. I know I'm getting a couple of weeks ahead of myself here, but I mean, it's, it's just some exciting times coming up. Yeah, that game in the, the I think it'll be in Wigan. That game it's got potential to be the best quarter final. I think easily. I mean, obviously, if, I, if it's Samoa against Tonga, that's going to be amazing. But if it's in terms of um, yeah, the having a clear underdog against the against the big side, but one can actually do something. I think Fiji. What we'll end up with Fiji, New Zealand. New Zealand will be too good. Lebanon against Australia. Michael Shaker aside, I think Lebanon will be, still, you know, Australia will be too good. Yeah. But that's a real, it's in doubt, you know. It's in doubt because England, it will probably be good for England to play a team as good as BNG. Agreed. Agreed, mate. And look, that'll wrap up the regular rounds. Finals, finals are going to be great. Like the top eight, as as it's looking, um, is going to be really entertaining. Um I just can't wait for it. Also cannot wait for the women in wheelchair getting started soon as well. I believe you're lining up a time with Mary Kay to get some chasing Jillaroo's action on the yeah, podcast. Well, we're unfortunately, um, we're sort of, we're strong we're stru- because Mary Kay has secluded herself to an ancestral village in Cyprus. Where, <laughs> where, where Wi-Fi is merely a theoretical concept. So um, watch this space. We will attempt to, be, we'll attempt to have something out prior to the Women's World Cup. If not, um, I'm going to go across, I think, to Leeds on Tuesday, I'm going to say, for which will be England against England against uh, Brazil. I can't remember the order they're in. Canada, Brazil, uh, PNG, Orchids, and England will be in some combination. I think it's England-Brazil is the... I think it's yeah. England-Brazil is the first one, um, definitely. Yeah. Afterwards. So, um, yeah, I should be at that game, and hopefully we'll be able to get friend of the podcast, Joanna Lester, will help us out with some office stuff. I've got a lovely chat with Elsie Albert, 
pinned somewhere on my phone that we can run out and um, yeah, watch this space because once I get old, Mary Kay, this is Look, a. I know, I know we don't like doing on air admin, but <laughs> that is definitely something we need to do because uh, Mary Kay, get out of your village in Cyprus and talk to me. She won't even be able to hear this without the Wi-Fi or without any internet in in her little village in Cyprus. But I'm sure she's having a great time with the family. Mike, I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait for that episode. I can't wait to wake you up again next week so we can record again and uh, and get excited about the finals. But man, what a World Cup! I'm not as tired as I thought I was going to be. Getting up early every morning, and uh, it's it's been as exciting, if not more, than I anticipated. So, mate, as always. Uh, thanks for chasing kangaroos with me, and uh, man, keep keep enjoying it. Yeah, mate, I'm gonna go and get a coffee. I really should have done that before. <laughs> See you, bud. Well, I was going to the gym. I don't think I'll be going to the gym. Don't don't worry about that. Do that later. <laughs>